Well, get on down here in this bayou and get you some gumbo and etouffee with America's sweetest and swampiest podcast, the pod people. I'm a big old alligator just ready to chomp and um, eat some Mardi Gras beads. (laughs) I'm drunk and I'm stupid. Please let me sleep. (laughs) I'm Ben Sheets. Hi, and I'm the savory man. Cleveland Mosier, bringing you all the salty treats. Salts for the salty. Salts for the <laughs> salts for the salty. That's right. Well, uh, this is our final year of the sequel selection for 2022. This was Ben's pick. We're going to be talking about Candyman: Farewell to the Flesh, which is the follow-up to 1992's. I believe, uh, Candyman, directed by Bernard Rose. This one was uh, not directed by Bernard Rose. Uh, It was directed by Bill Condon, who uh, later went on to uh, direct Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2. And also that... uh, You get that paycheck, baby. (laughs) Yeah, and also that uh, that 2015 uh, elderly Sherlock Holmes movie starring Ian McKellen that came and went and that nobody remembers <laughs> i i don't remember at all i remember the trailers and i totally forgot about it i never saw it until uh i was looking at bill condon's filmography and i was like oh yeah i remember that movie was a thing i have to see a trailer to it or i definitely yeah. didn't see it well uh it's sherlock holmes but with ian mckellen and he's old <laughs> Yeah, I think that's all he. I think that's all Sherlock everybody needs Holmes, to know. But it's a thriller because you're scared he's gonna break a hip. Yes, but uh, oh wait, isn't that one that does like some unreliable narrator? I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see it. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't see it. But I did see Candyman: Farewell to the Flesh, which uh, is basically just Candyman again. But what if it was in New Orleans, and what if all the actors were really bad? Yeah. And yeah. what if it was, like, more of a traditional slasher? Yeah. As well. What if it What if it took away a lot of the things that make the Candyman character and mythos cool, and did things a lot more literally and generically, and in New Orleans? Literal is the word of the day on yeah. this one, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'll be honest, for the most part kind of love that about it um not because it's good yeah um, it's because it's not but i did think it was fun and i i was pretty regularly shouting throughout the movie whether happy or not and i tend to appreciate that in a film yeah uh i was i was feeling strong emotions throughout it's, and that's no, that's it, all right it's a movie that makes that does make you react to it yeah for, for better or for worse which i guess is 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 better than it being boring slop yeah and uh yeah, well 100 yeah minus I, the slop part i which i it would be a little unkind to the remake um i do think the remake is kind of boring and one thing i can give this movie over the the new one is things are happening and they're crazy things, and it's it's a it's a really engaging yeah. movie in that respect, and it has a shitload of Tony Todd in it, and uh, you can't yeah. you just can't say that for the 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 remake. Um, 
I get, there are not, I do have a lot of nice things to say. Yeah, about it, but. I mean, we were you and I at least were generally quite positive overall on the remake. That being said, it, uh, it hasn't like it hasn't good. stuck with me in any kind of meaningful way. Like yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad movie, but I, uh, it has not like withstood the the brief test of well, time yeah, for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that one had better acting than this one. For yes, sure. much better. Much, much um, but this one, I feel like, is more interesting. Um, Maybe. We did I, just watch yeah. this one. I, I, don't, say, I don't know if I'll remember this movie in I a week. To say, gotta say, Farewell to the Flesh, maybe the best horror subtitle ever. Oh, really? Uh, I, keep, I keep forgetting what it is and trying to re-remember it. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, Flesh and Sensibility or... I mean, I you feel know, like you could weathering put flesh. Farewell to the Flesh after any two and it would sound cool farewell yeah. to the flesh just sounds like uh like a 90s death metal album title to me yeah which yeah. is cool like a like an, <laughs> like an incantation album or like a like a nile album or something yeah um, um yeah i mean I, I think it's i think it's War a in flesh i think it's a cool subtitle i don't think it particularly describes this movie no. Uh, it's just kind of something that sounds cool. It's you know, said once. I they think. say it a couple times in the movie because you know it's set in New Orleans, so of course it's set during Mardi Gras. So there's this whole theme about you know celebrating the flesh and debauchery of Mardi Gras before Lent, when you know you're uh, you're nourishing your spirit instead and giving up worldly pleasures, so on and so forth. So there's the. The, the last hurrah of Mardi Gras is the is the farewell to the flesh, you know, uh, before Lent. But what does that have to do with Candyman? Nothing. Oh. It's just it's just kind of a backdrop for uh, the movie. Yeah, I guess other than Candyman departs people from their flesh. It's sort of literally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he has said goodbye to his flesh because he's a thought form. He's a now, mirror man now. Well, yeah, now, yeah. Well, yeah, now, now, he's, now he's not. He's, 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 he's a mirror man. He's no longer a tulpa. He's a lich now. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a phylactery and everything. Uh, <laughs> um, I will say, this movie starts really strong. You know, they have that opening sequence where this author is giving a talk in front of a bunch of people mm -hmm. uh, and showing slides of these really great uh paintings and illustrations of the the Candyman history mm -hmm. um i really love the design of the book cover that he's he's selling it's, yes it's, it's just a reflective mirror jacket yeah which is brilliant for a Candyman book yeah that, that's that's he, so good he does a he does a shtick where like somebody in the audience asks him if he like really believes in the story and he's like no i'll show you and so he picks up his own book and looks into it and says Candyman five times and then uh a hook comes through the projector screen behind him, but surprise, it was just somebody who was in on it, and this is just a bit that he does. An uh, expensive one. An expensive one, yeah, because just screen. tearing projector screen every time. <laughs> That's why I was wondering, was like, does he bring his own projector screen, or is that like the in-house projector screen? It's in he like just a bookstore, yeah, so he's right. doing that stuff for like 
20 people. Yeah. Like, it's not... <laughs> yeah. But for the movie, it's awesome. No, he's and great. No <laughs> I, I like I like him as a character. He's a very... He kind of looks like Paul Heyman. He, he looks like Paul Heyman with, like, uh, with, like, a braid. With, like, a long braid. It's very... He's, it's a very weird look. What I really like about his character, too, is he clearly comes from, like, gentry and academia he's a pretentious scholarly type right um who you know like clearly like comes from some kind of money he carries himself with a lot of airs as he talks about his book and that's great because it's Candyman. like the original one is like largely like set in gentrification and um well no that the remake is about the gentrification yeah right but like it, well, it's it's a the candyman mythos is is uh it's a low income it's a low income like poverty area sort of urban yeah, legend yeah it's about serves, class struggle yeah, yeah. serves yeah. he serves as a he serves as a sin eater for these sort of uh um like really uh, poverty-ridden communities and stuff. Anytime, mm. you know, th- there's a lot of crime and murder and stuff, um, and so he serves as, like, the locus for all of that, right. the 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 blame mm-hmm. for when bad but, things happen. Yeah, like, it's, I guess, um, yeah, you're right, like, gentrification is more like the backdrop and one of the stronger themes of the remake, but, like, there is that element of, like, white society like oh yeah because well, like our protagonist in the movie of virginia is like madsen a, yeah, yeah like the the white upper middle class grad student who's like going into the cabrini green neighborhood where she is like definitely not from you know to try to pursue this this urban legend so yeah like and, there's yeah and, and it, she's like essentially like uh co-opting like this narrative Mm -hmm. right and that's the whole idea is that he's a he's a thought form so he shifts and changes over narratives so who controls the narrative is important in Candyman, and that's why i really like that this guy is like gentry because you know or or at least an academic because once again it's like oh here's like the like here's like a white society like voice like retelling this culturally black story Mm -hmm. and you know it's like how that that thought form you know can like take vengeance on it and i i love that shit i think it's super fucking cool uh largely because it ends with lots of blood uh now there's one aspect of that opening sequence that's not great that does haunt us throughout the rest of the film and it's not Candyman doing that that particular haunting it's this one fucking guy. The specter of bad acting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the specter of Jay Bauman. <laughs> hey, no, um, that, that's not so fair. During, he looks like Jay Bauman. Yes, kind on. of. During the, uh, the, the, the talk where the guy's like showing off his book, um, uh, in the back we see a guy who looks a lot like Jay Bauman from Red Letter, Red Letter Media. I haven't seen too much of Jay Bauman's acting, but... Uh, uh, it's gotta be better than this. Yeah. Uh, hence the unfairness. But, like, anyway, he's watching or whatever, and he catches the guy outside. And at first he, we think we're just, he's just asking to have his book signed, but then he kind of harasses him a little bit, saying, like, oh, you shouldn't be retelling this story. It's, you His know, father was killed by Candyman years ago, yeah. Yeah, this, you know, Candyman killed my dad, and, uh, whatever. And the, the guy run the, the author runs off, and he goes into a bathroom, a nice, gringy, nasty-looking bathroom that's really nicely lit. And um, I really like grody environments that are well lit. It's not as cool as the bathroom in the first Candyman. No, yeah. it's not. But I appreciate that they were, like, trying to do another gross bathroom. Like, <laughs> sure, I guess. Cool, you know, it's a theme. You need, you need somewhere. Where's a place that has a lot of mirrors? Bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it felt like homage in a kind of a fun way. 
another guy comes comes out. I think this is worth mentioning. Then another guy comes out, and they're both mutually washing their hands. And he kind of glances over at his book, and the well, the dude just stands up in one of the toilet stalls, and then just like comes out, but he doesn't flush the toilet. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Which about bothered that. me. Yeah, fucked up. And the author's like, "Oh, it's my book." You know, even though the guy didn't fucking ask. And the guy yeah. leaves. And the author's in there, and uh, sure enough, he gets. Hooked. He gets candy man. Candy man. We get our. We get the. And start you know, movie. I I will say though though I I do like that as an opening kill. It pretty much sets the blueprint for almost every single other kill in this movie, except for one. Is everybody dies the exact same way? Candyman comes up from behind them, stabs his hook through their back, and then lifts them up into the into the air, and the hook kind of disembowels them, and then he drops them on the ground. That's how everyone dies in this movie, and I thought that got a little bit tired. Yeah, I, there's it was missing some create missing some creativity. I, I feel like either, each there's, one does have like unique elements to it. Like there's like the the snowball historian guy. That's like, that's like the one. The that's yeah. the one difference. Yeah. that's the one that different kill. That was my. That favorite. was really good because it plays with the the bee motif. Yes, too, you know, and I I would agree for the most part. I think most of all of the kills are just hook kills, and I would have like loved the to same see kind of hook kill too. More bee kills, more just weird stuff. You know, even the the original Candyman had some. Very unexpected moments with kills and mm-hmm. whatnot. Where this, it felt like just kind of formulaic. Yeah, extremely formulaic. I, I did, you know, the, the one the one special one where our protagonist is looking for information. She goes to like a skeezy snowball salesman. Thibodeau. Uh, Thibodeau, yes. Who also turns out to know stuff about Candyman. He's Thibodeau Tibbanoes. Thibodeau Tibbanoes. He's got a lore closet behind his snowball shop. We should I, talk about the introduction of that character because I was about gross. to say. Gross. Oh, yeah. She just walks up to this snowball stand and uh, for people who aren't from the South or, or New Orleans, snowballs are like snow cones. They're like fluffier than snow cones. Anyway. He's like sucking uh, black snow cone syrup off of this old lady no the woman is sucking it off is licking it off of his arm yeah it's well it's it's just like the the really like condensed blue syrup that has like that he was like pouring over one of the snowballs that's gotten all over his arm and this just like haggard old broad is just like licking and sucking it off of his forearm for like two minutes Dude, i think it's a great introduction well, yeah, awesome way to it's like a great introduction yeah yeah it's the, that's the thing about this movie and like i get it it's kind of what horror movies do to a degree but like all of the most interesting characters are killed off very shortly after they're introduced the professor at the beginning Thibodeau, because he dies right after that, you yeah. know, when she goes back and he tells uh, about the, the mirror or whatever, where can't he take her back phylactery. into yeah. his uh, snow cone dungeon? Yeah, through like a secret door he has. Yeah, <laughs> he has all these weird artifacts back there, including he's uh, a he's some kind of cabinet of curiosities, motherfucker, you know. Yeah, um, but uh, Candyman shows up. And, uh, is that the part or is it, 
in a different part where somebody scratches his face and like the bees come out of the wound. That's the ex husband. The ex husband. Not the ex husband. The husband. The husband yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, Donald Duck. Oh yeah, yeah. So this, so Thibodeau. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll we're jumping all over the place. <laughs> but yeah, so when Candyman shows up to kill Thibodeau, he just like opens up his coat and just like all the bees swarm out. Right? Is yeah, that right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and cover him with bees, and then Candyman picks him up and like throws him through the like the wall yeah head first head first through the wall and it's it's almost like a buster keaton moment because like the cops are on the other side like listening in and hearing for what's going on and suddenly head pops through the 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 cut is pretty the cut is pretty funny too because like when he throws him it's kind of like in slow motion almost and you can see, like, the actor, and he's got, like, the bees, like, real bees, like, all over his face and crawling on him and stuff. And then when it cuts and his head comes out the window in front of the cops, it's very obviously a dummy that has, like, its face is, like, all swollen with, like, a bunch of bee stings and shit like that. So he just goes from, like, not being stung in one frame cut to just, like, being... Uh, like you can't even discern his facial features because he's so covered in bee stings. Uh, that one's really fun. Yeah. That's like the the really like fun, unique kill. And I think if there had been more creativity in all the others, it would have been nice. I will say we were lacking a little creativity minus that one, but I do think that all of the kills are pretty well executed. Sure. Yeah, like, sure. Like, especially like the the husband, like that. That yeah. is such a good kill. Well, I mean, I do when you do wish... the same kill so many times, you get good at it, right? I do but... wish there was more of an element of surprise to them. One of my favorite moments in the first one oh. is yes. when Virginia Madsen wakes up in the apartment and it's just like a bloody mess. Oh, I was thinking. Speaking of surprise, one of my favorite moments of the original is when Virginia Madsen is. Uh, being admitted to the mental institution yes. and she's sitting at the desk in front of the doctor and Tony Todd just comes flying through the window behind him. Like, yeah, both of those moments are just like really great, just like out of nowhere. What the fuck is happening here? And this movie is just, it's its very predictable. Mm-hmm. Somebody goes into a room that has a lot of mirrors in it. Tony Todd shows up behind them. Yeah stabs them the kills lifts are them always up. very telegraphed yeah you you always know that they're coming you know it's a moment where uh off-brand virginia madsen our main character yes is annie like, they annie, say her name yeah. a million goddamn times in this uh, movie. annie annie uh, annie she annie. uh has like a serious moment and you know there's a very Candyman kill is coming moment mm-hmm. where, you know, it's not surprising at all that it's happening. Yeah. No. And it, it kind of, and it kind of follows like the same formula of the first one. Like, you know, yeah. she summons Candyman or she says Candyman's name five times, not believing it's real. He shows up, but he doesn't kill her. He starts killing people around her and the cops think that she's the killer. It's it's the exact same plot of the original one. It's the exact same. I I will say, like, from a conceptual level, there's things I like about what they're trying to do. It's just not executed super well. Like, I like the idea of taking a very 
urban focused film and transporting it into being like a southern gothic sure but i change the story well and do something with the new setting even the idea of her being a descendant of the original lover of Candyman and and Candyman himself is yeah is a cool idea they just don't execute it very yeah well also like they treat it they treat it too literally the whole point of Candyman and what's cool about him as like a horror villain is that as a thought form his own nature changes as the urban legend changes, as the story changes. Yeah. So I think you're, at the core, you're right that the idea of taking this very urban legend of the south side of Chicago and supplanting it into the deep, deep south, the fucking bayou, has potential to do some really fucking cool things. But they keep the story exactly the same, except for actually Candyman was from New Orleans originally, yeah. instead of Chicago. Instead of Chicago, that's dumb. That, last, that detail is that's really a really good point. I, I feel like that's a real missed opportunity. Is like huge just missed opportunity. Kind of taking a folklore element and like retelling it in their own way each time. Yeah, because I I feel like one of the traps of being a sequel is being so focused on the mythos that right. the first set sets up that you're not willing or able to explore, you know, different And what avenues. I what I love about the original too is that like Candyman's own origin story, like the story that people tell, it feels like the kind of urban legend that's been passed down and mutated so many times that it has all of these different details. Like, it feels so extra about this freed slave who fell in love with a... and who was a painter who fell in love with a white woman and then the her father gathered up a mob and they chased him and they cut off his hand but then they also went and got some bees and smeared him in honey so the bees then came and stung him to death so now this scary ghost has a hook hand but also he's covered in bees and it's like it doesn't feel like distilled right it feels like a game of telephone where all of these details have been added over the years to make get scarier where it it ends up being kind of ridiculous and this movie just treats all of that as yes that is literally what happened except it happened here in new orleans and it turns out that our protagonist spoilers is descended from Candyman and his illicit lover and their line that has passed down and that he was born on the same uh, plantation house where the where our protagonist grew up because she comes from old Louisiana money. To me, the biggest sin of all of that is when it comes to the the literal nature of it is that these like the director writers or whatever they felt the need to actually show the backstory. Yeah, that is stupid that is dumb don't do that he's a thought form it only really works because it's been told and told yes you know you don't want to show what the quote real thing was there shouldn't be there shouldn't be a real thing right he's an entity he's not that's the that's the point of of like thought forms right is that Mm -hmm. they don't their origin is 
the belief that people have in them. This this movie is basically saying Candyman is a real ghost whose spirit is trapped in a mirror. And if you break the mirror, you can defeat Candyman. And that doesn't make... He's not a thought form anymore. He's just a literal ghost. It's so stupid. He's a phylactery. Yes. God, that that flashback scene is so bad. Terrible. It's so bad. You know, there's a moment where a little kid tastes the honey from one of the honeycombs that's smeared on Candyman. And he's like, Candyman? And then they all start And then, like, all of the adults are like, yeah, Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. And it's like, it, it's, yeah, that it, it's as bad as, like, uh, how, how, uh, is it just you or anyone else? Uh, I'm solo. Han Solo. What the fuck are you doing? Like, stop. We don't, I don't need an, or, yeah. don't, ugh, like, origins. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Also, fuck, like, also, even, like, say it structurally, structurally, so it's stupid. such a weird, it's such a weird place to put it to because this we're we're really all over the place with this movie but this flashback this flashback happens at the very end yeah it's like the last it's in like the last 15 minutes of the movie and it's weird because like the movie starts with the author the traveling author telling this story that we already know from the original and having like doing a slideshow to like illustrate so even in this movie, the story is already being told to us, and we get everything we need from it. And then at the very end of the movie, Candyman is like, you need to see what really happened to me. And he like gives her a vision, and then it's just literally what the story is. Yeah. There's no like revelations of what quote-unquote really happened that's different from what we've already known. It's just they're literally showing us a flashback of the exact story we've already been told and it's done really badly and it sucks mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's really terrible and in that respect the the remake it makes the remake far more appreciable yeah like, I, I really like it's all done with like shadow box stuff and i, I thought that and, was really and cool the story is different in the remake they mm-hmm. change the story importantly and that's what i think is crucial to Candyman <laughs> is that the story has to change. The story can't stay the same. Yeah. And in this, they're just doing it the same, but in New Orleans, for some reason. Cannot figure out why they set this movie in New Orleans. Like, they they make such a big fucking deal about it. There's just, like, constant Mardi Gras shit going on. The movie is weirdly narrated by, uh, like, a radio, like, shock jock kind of guy. Yeah, I love that. Doing just a, doing just a terrible fake King, Cajun. No, the Kingfish. The Kingfish. The Kingfish. And, like, it makes sense, like, the first time we hear it, because, like, the, the protagonist is, like, driving around, and she's, like, listening to the radio. But then... It's just kind of like unmotivated narration throughout the rest of the movie. It's almost like a Greek chorus. Sort of. I'm okay Um, with that. You know, I think they said it in New Orleans because they wanted to hear all the bad Cajun accents. Bro. Hell yeah. (laughs) Because there's a lot of them. There's not a single good Cajun accent (laughs) in this movie. It's It's crazy. I love it. I'm pretty sure, like, when we were watching the credits, I was trying to see if I could figure out where they filmed it, and it looks like like, there's a lot of studio stuff that they're thinking and 
California. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't shoot a lick of this thing in fucking Louisiana. Well, I mean, the the Candyman mansion, or plantation, it mm-hmm. does look like the Beyond. It does. Plantation. It does look like the, the, the house in the Beyond. But, I mean, it's also just kind of like generic run-down like old plantation house in the south you know what i mean it it looked like the house from jumanji to me especially because it it ends up getting flooded and it's full of like fake vines well Uh, that's the the servants quarters in the back no the the main house too well the main house it like has vines and stuff inside the the flood like the house from jumanji the flood stuff happens in the the other house yeah the the servant's uh, house yeah yeah slave house yeah the the slave slave barracks slave quarters it was uh yeah don't need to mince but like i really like that too because like they're going through the house um they find like the homeless people living in there as well you know they've moved in yeah what was the deal with that uh more on that in a bit uh they at one point they look out the window and she points out the house and it's like a weird model and like there's not even a background the sky is just kind of gray well it's suppo- it. it's supposed to be the water it's supposed to be set on a lake but it's not it doesn't read very well no it did it really quickly like yeah. they had to have like oh we're gonna have something together like the map painting doesn't look any good let's do a little model or something yeah, and so, like, it's not very well, like, placed, even though it is where, like, the climax of the movie is set. Yeah. We, don't, we never really ever get, like, a good view of it um, until it's flooded at the end, mm-hmm. uh, which could be kind of rough. Uh, but, yeah, let's um, let's talk, so we can kind of lead into that, that previous thing. Let's talk about Donald Duck. Okay. Um, our protagonist is a school teacher, and her husband is Donald Duck. Um, he is constantly quacking throughout the movie and squawking and speaking (laughs) duck noises. He has a lot of range with it. He has a lot of range as a duck. Uh, the first time is, uh, when he holds her in a loving embrace and they see some people just outright fucking on a balcony next door. Um, which that was kind of fun. Mardi Gras. Yeah, Mardi Gras. And, uh... He he pulls into a brace and he says like, "Hey, what about them?" You know, and he looks at her and he just goes, <laughs> like 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 inquisitive, like, "Would you like would you like to fornicate?" Like <laughs> like like a duck, and I, and like that just it threw me off so much. Like I noticed it, I was like, "What the fuck was that?" Like imagine like it could get you a man who like squawks at you for sex. Like what weird? Anyway, well he's just he's just squawking. And I squawk a lot. Myself. Like his yeah. his default. Like, don't get me wrong, but. His default reaction to most things in this movie before he gets killed are, are squawks. Yes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going through his whole range of squawks. Don't worry. Uh, okay. Excuse then, me. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, the, <laughs> um, I believe the next one is when they're visiting the house and he sees that there are homeless people in it. At one point, he's excited and he points at, like, I think the mirror or some something in her room or whatever. And he goes, like that. Like, look at this. Um, and then there's another bit where he's running, I think, in the same scene. And he stubs his toe, and he goes, "Ah!" <laughs> yeah, no, it's when he's he, they're at sta- he's standing at the window, and he's like looking out at like the old slave quarters or whatever, and he like turns around and like takes two steps, and then just trips over this like <laughs> massive pile of rubble that is just right there. And yeah, and his his reaction is to quack. There's a lot of range, and he's got. And man i was i was so confused by his whole deal because i could have sworn the first couple of scenes he was in no you thought he was well i mean 
they introduce him at the police station because our protagonist and her mother are there because uh, the guy at the beginning who confronted the author is her brother, and he's the number one suspect for the or he he confessed to killing the guy because he feels guilty because he was the one who found their murdered father years ago. Whatever. But the husband is introduced in that scene as well. And he's wearing, like, a jacket with, like, a patch on it. So you thought he was a cop. Yeah, or a detective or some shit. Something. Uh, he's not. He's a, he's a chef. Uh, <laughs> but, um... My, and a my, duck. My, uh, he's a chef and a duck. And maybe a cop. My confusion was, I could have sworn in the first couple of scenes we saw him in, he was doing a really bad Cajun accent. And then later, they just kind of abandon it, and he just kind of has, like, a normal, like, American... Duckish, though, but yes. I I mean, yeah, he doesn't sound like... He's always in this range. And he's definitely the comic relief of the movie. Very intentionally so, but in the weirdest way. I loved him, Until he dies. Yeah, I thought he was great. From beginning to end, none of that's a complaint. More more ducks in movies. More (laughs) duck-themed actors. I mean, after hearing his terrible accent... At a certain point, they were just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, do re- what you want. Reshoot those scenes or get some ADR yeah. then. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe it was just because we're in New Orleans and we've already heard a lot of bad Cajun accents. And it's just my expectation that every character is going to have one. But I could have sworn the first couple of times he talked, he was it, doing an accent. It came and went. I it doesn't matter. They likely didn't shoot sequentially either. So my yeah my thought is just like between the days of shooting he just kind of forgot like how how heavy his accent was. Hard yeah, just dropped just then. dropped it all together. Yeah. I mean whatever like the the really act- comfortable on set. The acting in this movie is like subpar at best and like just yeah. dreary at worst. Well, we do have one notable actor, Veronica Cartwright. Yes. Is the mother. Yeah, that's she true. Was in uh, the 70s Body Snatchers. God yes, right. and Classic. and Alien. She's she's hamming it up, I suppose, an appropriate amount for this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Outside of Tony Todd, she gives probably the... The most interesting the most performance, yeah. one. Yeah, and I mean, there's the other bit part characters like the professor, or the yeah. the author at the beginning. I think he's he's not. I don't think his performance is good, but I think it's fun. And sure. same with same with Thibodeau. All the main characters, though. Veronica Cartwright's character in this movie reminded me very much of the mother in the room, even though this movie came before that. But it's that I same. Definitely have breast cancer. That is her character in this movie. <laughs> that Veronica Cartwright's character is if the scene in the room where the mother's like, "I just got the test results back, and I definitely have breast cancer," was extended throughout the movie. Yeah, and much better acted because because the whole thing is that Veronica Cartwright has cancer, I guess, and she's dying, and she will not. Shut up about it. Well, I like Every it. conversation she has with her daughter is like, I'm going to be dead soon, and I want to have a winter wedding, especially with this kind of weather. 
You know, yeah, just when, when I'm worm food, I'll be I'll be worm food before long. <laughs> By the time you have your first child, I'll be dead. It's just like that's like the the extent of her character. Well, in it's, this movie. Yeah, I love it too, and like I, I buy it a little bit because like uh, you know, growing up around a lot of like old Southern women, they they loved. They're so morbid. Yeah, they love talking about death. Death always comes up at you know at the dinner table. It always comes up. You she's know, like as as an old else. as an old wealthy Southern woman. Like she's not an uh, an unbelievable character. Dude, old Southern women put the Gothic in Southern Gothic, man. Like they're they're morbid <laughs> as shit. There's something to that. I, uh, yeah, I, I I do I do like that. Like the first thing that the mother does is just like get super morbid about her own death, but in the most blasé way. You know, she's, like, fully accepted it, just has no realization of, like, how doom and gloom she's even being. Like, she's just really flippant about being like, what up, when your mother's worm food? Like, oh, no, I, I, I no, I disagree. It seems like she's laying it on heavy for as the like sympathy. For, yeah, as a guilt yeah. trip. Yeah. No, no, I'm with that. I'm like, with- oh, your mother's gonna be dead soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She's an interesting performance. One thing that I wanted to hear your take on Cleve is all of the art in this movie because there's a ton of illustrations and murals <laughs> and paintings very of various degrees, levels very of quality. Of quality. <laughs> well, if you want my opinion, the art in this movie comes in various levels of quality. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dog. Uh, some of that shit's real, real bad. Some of it's great. I likes. love the mural in the house. Likes. That goes yeah. in the likes category. We love that, even though it's literally the exact same thing with, like, going into the, the, the mouth ma- of the graffiti thing yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I did really like how it was done. I think sure. it, still, it yeah. still looked really good, even though it is literally the same thing in a new location. I thought it was very fun. She's, like, a our protagonist is a practicing artist, and she's very bad. She's um, a practicing <laughs> artist for one scene where we yeah. see a painting that she's working on. And right. Then so never... we, and it's well, specifically guess, a self-portrait. I guess she is. She is like an art teacher. Yeah. At, at like yeah. an inner, like a mm-hmm. low-income inner city yeah. school. And uh, yeah, she's not very good. But you know, our <laughs> teachers don't have to be. That's okay. Also, um, just as long as they're encouraging children to be art, it's that's all right. That's okay. <laughs> There's the part where she's having the dream sequence where she like looks in. She's like out on the balcony at her mother's place or whatever, and she looks inside and sees Candyman there. And then he kind of like fades out, and like the portrait of like his forbidden lover like fades in, like <laughs> that presumably that he painted yeah. of her. Yeah. And it's just like, ooh, that looks bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's not good. Yeah, and, and that one's definitely painted. like supposed to be good. It should, well, yeah, I mean, isn't, like, part of the whole thing is that he was, like, a great painter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's presented epically. Like, it's a very large portrait. Oh, yeah, it's like a... It's quite tall. Yeah, it's like a full-size, like, uh... And it's got the whole Victorian framing, and the camera's low on it to make it feel even more, like, dramatic and powerful, and then it's just a talk shit portrait. (laughs) It's bad. (laughs) It's not very good. There's all the kids' art, and she goes to the, to his dad's house. I like the kids' art. Yeah, all that stuff is cool. The kids' art is cool because they're kids, so, like, the expectation isn't very high, like, for the quality of it, but, like, the, the illustrations are still, like, pretty chilling. And it's, it's at a nice level because normally, like, what horror movies do with that trope, 
Like, I'm sure if you haven't seen the film, you're probably picturing, like, crayon drawings right now. It's yeah, not no. like that at all. He's, like, he's like a, a like a middle school or, like, freshman in high school yeah, age. Like so like, yeah, you know, and he's he's doing, like, art that's, like, pretty good for a preteen. But like, like, yeah, like charcoal, yeah. charcoal drawings charcoal, and stuff. Pencil, yeah, it's all, like, monochromatic. And, you know, the anatomy's not right, but that's also kind of unsettling. And it works. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I really like those pieces. And he's got some oh. kind of, like, expressionistic ones, too, in that, in in that closet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, honestly. Honestly, there was there was one in the background that we don't get a good enough shot of that like where like it's like a big face and it's kind of melty that looked fucking mm-hmm. sick if I'm being yeah. real like there's yeah his his stuff was pretty cool yeah there's a little bit with like painting like Mardi Gras floats and stuff uh, but I wish there'd been more of that as someone like who actually had that for a job for a while like painting Mardi Gras floats um, I think that there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with that but there is like a little bit where you see some like Candyman esque float motifs but there could yeah, have been more it would have been they neat didn't, to see they, for a mardi gras uh centric movie they didn't do like a ton with floats There's like, like there, two floats in the there movie. are a lot of like uh like foot processions like yeah, parades and stuff like people in weird costumes and stuff, costumes and stuff. Mardi which, like, does is, have a shitload of that yeah there's plenty of that in mardi gras but yeah i mean i mean i think it's just a budget thing they didn't want to put together like entire floats just for like background shots in this movie you know mm. so like I get well, it. I mean, but... it's true. And then those those floats are made pretty cheap. I think like I think I made like seventy bucks doing like a lot of floats. Yeah. Like it's you it were also you were also a, pay very well. You were also a kid. Yeah, you um, don't pay kids well mm, for any, um, any odd jobs. Yeah, I was like eighteen, nineteen at the time. Yeah, know. kid. Yeah, but like yeah, it's and then south. When I was nineteen, I was making eight dollars an hour. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> Kids don't make much money, mm-hmm. but yeah. But it was that I, I really, I'm really glad I did that though. It was, it's it's a fun it's a fun memory. It's done with like air compressor like sprayers, so you get like you gotta like hook them up to like the yeah, like stuff what they and, like what they paint cars with. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's really gratifying. Like you know, doing like those the big, big coats spray and guns, passes, and then you go back for detail stuff, and it'd be fun to do it again at some point. But uh, yeah, gotta I move would, back to somewhere that does Mardi Gras. Yeah, not around here, North not Carolina around really here. Do it, but. Uh, I mean, literally nowhere does it except where we grew up (laughs) and and Louisiana. That's literally it. Because, fun fact, for listeners, uh, Mardi Gras did not originate in New Orleans. It originated in... Mobile. In in the States, at least. Originally in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. Alabama. Lucy, where we're from. Across the bay, so most people do not know that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's because it's better in New Orleans. It's way bigger and better way and bigger cooler and, better and, and more fun. But we did it did start yeah. when we grew up, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's you know Carnival. Fucking neat though. I, I think it's holidays go. Mardi Gras is like pretty. Mardi Gras dank. Like, pretty I, up there. That's one of the things real. I miss most from Same. from home is going to the Mardi Gras parades, catching a bunch of beads, moon pies. I mean, Being these days these the days parts? you can buy you can buy moon pies pretty yeah. much anywhere but uh yeah it was it, it, we we marched in the mardi gras parades in the high school band mm-hmm. which was which was fun yeah, did a number of um, floats as well you know throwing out beads yeah uh i never rode on any of the floats really? um, oh, it was fun. never had an opportunity mm-hmm. and there's the big mardi gras um, balls which i've never been to but that's a bucket nah, list I've never thing been for to me i want to go to one of those at some point i know? feel like, like i feel a masquerade like masquerade kind of thing yeah but it's got some yeah. You gotta, you gotta do, so, you gotta do something little, like they get little mad, eyes wide shut, yeah, <laughs> type of <Some> Fidelio, <laughs> yes, a little bit secret which, society which I mean, kind of bullshit. That sounds fun to me. Like I would, you know, at least what I know how to say no to people. Like, come on, I, yeah, I could have a fun time. Veiled prophet kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, dude. I lost my train of thought. Oh, yes, we were talking about performances. 
I will say we oh, we yes. were we were arguing a little bit about this while we were watching the movie, but I still I stand by it. I don't think Tony Todd's performance in this movie is up to par with his performance in the original. Oh, I still think he's course. the best. I still think he's the best performance in the movie. Yes, but. And this is not to rag on him at all, but I very much felt like he was sleepwalking through this movie. And I don't blame him. It's not a good movie. It's not a good script. It's very much a paycheck movie for everyone involved. So, like, I would have probably done the same thing in his position, but I just think his his performance in this is very low energy, very sleepy. And, like, he's not, like, a bombastic kind of character in the original, but he does carry himself in such a way that he's like very quietly sinister like he could explode with violence at any moment and in this i just i just didn't get that from him i you know i i would agree that his performance definitely isn't as strong as the first one of course i think i would chalk up a good amount of that to direction sure you know i think sure you know the way he's presented in this film is not as strong as the original by any means you know they show in every single way they show him much more in this movie but we've seen him that takes out the mystique of you know him appearing and being unexpected like the original Mm -hmm. and because we see more of him again that mystique is gone so we're just left with him kind of standing there. And, you know, there's so much quiet depth in the original to his character yeah. because he is a very menacing, scary figure, but he's also tragic. And mm-hmm. there is an element of lost love even in this character in the original. Totally. I don't feel like, I don't feel any of that come through in no. this. No, I don't feel it's much any more of, that. of a one-dimensional character. And because of that, I feel like he gives a very similar performance, but because of the direction, it doesn't, imply as much as yeah Yeah. because i want to say like i i wouldn't i wouldn't use the word like it is subdued but i I wouldn't i wouldn't go as far as to say like phoning it in for instance because like i I was noticing like again you can fake this with eye drops or whatever but like his eyes watering in scenes and i really liked his body language in this film too there's a lot of moments where like he kind of like the way he like stretches his arms out to show like his his power and control over people was really cool like um, and, and to like, you know, like, again, like Candyman's whole deal, it, you know, you've already kind of said it, but like Candyman's whole deal is like, is control and power and he's this thing beyond time. So he doesn't need to be bombastic or rage induced, but he, you know, but he has this total power and he can crash through a window at any moment or do anything like that. And he can be anywhere and he like... And his voice is there for the sure. Voice is great. Like, the voice is great. Yeah. But um, yeah, I liked all of that stuff. I just feel like he was, the shots weren't like upward angled enough. Like the cinematography did wasn't, and the lighting wasn't doing much to really bring him out of the shadows and make him this 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 creature, this being. Um, and we also just see him so much, and he is also used, you know, mechanically. He's essentially just a Jason Voorhees in this movie that speaks. And, or Freddy Krueger. And that's going to really hamper, like, you yeah. know, like how that's, yeah. that's taken in for sure. I mean, even the way... I was just happy to get more Tony Todd. Yeah. Like, any, I mean, Tony capacity, Todd is great. Like, I'm always I, happy to see him. Yeah. But I feel like I, I feel like I watched a different movie than you did because I didn't get 
any of the subtlety in his acting that you just described. I get it very much in the first one, but like every scene he's in in this is just like deadpan kind of face. Like I just didn't feel any sort of like charisma or anything from his eyes. It's just like really, yeah. It I just recommend like yeah, like revisit this because like you can see his like his eyes watering and like, I, his eyes. I mean, I was stuff. watching the I was watching the movie at the same time and I was paying attention. Like I don't feel like I need to revisit it. I just don't. Yeah. Well, again, like I think a lot of it is just direction. Like look at the scene in the original where he appears in the parking garage Mm -hmm. you know it's great scene it's such a simple scene he's really not doing much he appears and he slowly walks towards but he's so threatening in that scene. exactly because there's such a confidence in how it's directed and there's such a menace in the way it's shot because he's you know, it's shot very wide at yeah. first, you know. His physicality is present. He's a very tall guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it emphasizes that. Mm-hmm. Where, like, this movie, I really don't feel like it ever emphasizes his height very much. There, there are some, like, two shots with him and Annie where, like, you really get that good perspective because he is, like, much taller than her. Mm-hmm. But I agree that, that outside of that... Not so much. A little bit, too, like when he kills the husband and he's like, we really get that long, slow part of him, like, lifting him up in the air mm-hmm. as the hook kind of, like, slowly disembowels him. Like that, you get some some of that same kind of threatening physicality. I mean, direction, I think, is definitely a big part of it. Like, it's uh, – this director is – certainly a, a lesser director than Bernard Rose is. Yeah, and I mean, like, think of the scene in this one where he's walking through the crowd towards Annie. You know, it feel, it doesn't feel like he's just walking straight through. It feels like he's almost shuffling through the crowd. The crowd should be through. parting around him. Yes. He shouldn't ha- be having to pick his way through the crowd. Exactly. That yeah, that is that's actually a really good example of yeah. like the, <laughs> doing that the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's like even if the rest of the crowd can't see him, they should be like subconsciously moving around yes. him, yeah. even if they're not realizing it. You know, because he is a force. He is an energy that's there um but yeah him sort of like shuffling like in between like all of these people sort of coming towards you it's like that's work that's not menacing (laughs) that's not scary you know that's just somebody trying to trying to work their way through a crowd you know like he gets to he gets to emote a little bit in the the flashback scene where like they cut his hand off and whatnot but yeah, I will say that like, whole scene is just so bad. The, the rest of the scene is really bad, but Tony Todd does give a pretty good. Sure, I mean he's he's you know, he's yeah. putting something into it. It's just it's hard to appreciate it in yes. such Surrounded a by such all a the terribly other executed TV. thing. Those C, the CG swarm of bees oh, yeah. in that scene that comes completely out of the blue like a fucking cloud. Uh-huh. That just yeah, they they just we see somebody from I don't know where they they pull it from. Somebody pulls like two very clean, nice looking honeycombs like out of their ass or something, and everybody kind of like smears honey on him, and then just like. 
off in the distance, just like this enormous black cloud of CGI bees just comes out of nowhere, lands all over him, stings him up to death, and then just up and flies off into the distance again. And it's so bad. Yeah, it's rough. It's like it's, yeah, someone who is very literal and doesn't understand how bees work. It's like, so bad. Yeah, it's so fucking terrible. And then... Uh, his his lover runs up. I like it when she runs up. She's like, she's like, no, don't get off of me. Let me through. And like, nobody's touching her. <laughs> and she gets up and she, I don't know why she has her mirror there. Doesn't make any sense. She's got this fucking occult ass looking mirror that's like a bunch of snakes well, and it's shit. Ass looking, but also like definitely plastic. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's a cheap, it's a cheap prop, but like also eyes. <laughs> It's a cheap prop, but also, like, its design just feels, like, very out of place. It looks for, like, like something you'd find, like, a medieval fantasy film. Right. Yeah. For, like, this Victorian-era, like, southern Louisiana belle to have. Like, it's totally, like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why she has it in that scene. But as he's dying, it it captures his spirit in the mirror, and I guess that mirror has been out in the slave quarters behind the house all of these years with a bunch of skeletons for some reason. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. The, uh... Yeah, it's a load-bearing mirror, too. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> the second it's pulled out from where it's sitting... The whole place, like, starts to collapse. <laughs> yeah. 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 I also like that... Um, That's what happens when you touch the phylactery. Yeah, like, you know, they do, they do the bit where our protagonist is going through the building, and it's dark, and a vine go, hits her shoulder or whatever, and she pulls back the vine, and it's not a vine! It's a hand! It's a skeleton! It's a skeleton hand! And she throws the skeleton hand on the ground, and it's just skeleton bits, but the whole arm and hand is still, like, together, like a medical skeleton would yeah, be. Yes, like, wired it's, like, together. Wired together. Yeah. Like, it's so it's fucking so corny. It's kind of great though, and then yeah, she pulls out the scale. Uh, she pulls out the, the the mirror, and the whole wall collapses. Yeah, Lo- yeah. You, when you shouted like we were watching the movies, you shouted Ben. Like, That's a load bearing mirror. Very funny. And then yeah, we get the whole flashback in that sequence. Um, it's all just like the that house interior again. Like I said, it's very Jumanji, um, uh, and uh, it's it's super corny. Um, but like at least like even OG Jumanji is like tongue in cheek. You know, like this is just it's kind of trying to be serious it doesn't really yeah well yeah no it's it's absolutely like playing it very straight you know very seriously she breaks the mirror and tony todd breaks like a mirror himself (laughs) in just terrible the worst worst cg i've seen in a long time yeah like and well this is this is 1995 like low to mid budget horror movie CG so like yeah it's it's fucking bad and they the way they drag that out too like They're really, really proud of it. like you felt like you feel like for the time like they thought it was really good and maybe it was it's so funny though if like, I was a child I would have thought it was really I'm cool. honestly glad that they dragged it out because I found it fucking oh, it's, hilarious yeah, it, same I found it so same. funny because yeah he like he like starts like cracking like a mirror and then like chunks of him fall off and then eventually he just shatters into a million pieces and it looks like it looks like one of those like particle dissolve effects that you would see 
in something like the music video for uh, I'm Blue by Eiffel 65. It's also so fucking you know, confused. Dabba dee, die. Because, like, it's so confused because he's already, like, full of a weird thing. Like, he's a hollow man full of bees. And the, yes. he kind of is the bees also. There's, like, the resonating aspect of it. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit of him everywhere. You know, like, a bee is just a small part of a hive. This small story is just a part of a greater, darker entity. Yes, it's one yeah. of the coolest and things about it, him, that he's just a hollow man full of bees. It, it is the coolest thing. Yeah, yeah like, no doubt. Sick. And And uh, it, look, it always looks cool. It always whatever. And, like, this movie does some great shots with it. A couple. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll circle back. But, like, uh, here... Um, at the end, it's like, oh, but also he's a mirror, and then they have to like do that as well. well yeah, because his soul so, is trapped so in the mirror. So mixed. if you break the mirror, then his soul has to shatter too, right? It's just losing I, the plot. Yeah, literally, it, it should have shattered into bees. Should have. <laughs> yeah. Um, that could have been neat. Yeah. Um, or terribly well, CG, more CG bees. You know, with him, you know, being portrayed by bees. One of my favorite sequences in the movie is after Annie says Candyman in the mirror five times at the mm. school, we have this very quiet moment where one of her students looks out the window and there's a little bee. Just one bee kind of like bumping into the bumping window. Bumping into the yeah. window and then it kind of like falls and like dies. And it's such a quiet moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I found it awesome. It, it was an incredible scene. And I feel like we don't really get many subtle moments like that in the rest of the movie no. and it's just a bummer um because like i i feel like that is really intelligently done it feels like it would have been from the first one yeah oh i mean the the first Candyman is full of subtlety mm-hmm. full of subtle moments and like that's what's cool about him as a monster he's he's a subtle villain right mm-hmm. uh except when he's not Uh, And that's what's scary about him, too, right? (laughs) Like, he is sort of insidious and subtle and sinister and and can just sort of appear out of nowhere. But also, he can just crash through a fucking window (laughs) out of nowhere, right? Powerful. Uh, Yeah, it's great. And, yeah, this movie doesn't do enough with that. Um, What it does do... Yeah, it does have some really good bee-related effects. Uh, I, I just, I really do like that bit where his face... Where she scratches his face. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. his pour-out, like, that looks really good. You can tell, like, they, they cut back to it twice, and, like, the second time it does, you can tell it's like a, it's like a latex face. We get a little bit too much of the side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pro, it's a but, it's a head, a yeah. prosthetic head. But in the yeah. first shot, like I couldn't tell. Like mm-hmm. it, it really looked good. It looked like yeah. bees were crawling out of his flesh. And, it's kind of uh, goofy when the bees like crawl back inside and it just kind of mm-hmm. back together. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, yeah. I'll say I got I got to give it to the makeup artists in this movie. Like the a lot of those like kill practicals were were sure. great to look sure. at. Again, sometimes you know it, a lot of the same stuff. Oh, and it's super worth noting that. Uh, uh, fuck, what's her name? Uh, the the mother, um, Veronica Cartwright. Yeah, Veronica Cartwright. Cartwright's yeah. character. Um, uh, she does get the privilege of dying twice in the movie. Uh, the first time it's in a it's dream an, sequence, you know, in yeah. dream dream. Um, and she gets ripped in half, and then well, no, she gets her. He slits her throat. He slits her, he slits the, her throat with, with the or, hook, and then yes, and then later on she gets she gets, she gets ripped. And then later on he does the same generic Candyman kill where he stabs her from behind with the hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I do love the sequence where Candyman opens his trench coat and we get all the bees on More, him. More of that. Yeah. There's too little of that in yeah. this movie. Yeah. I, they had their bee budget was clearly much smaller. <laughs> I wonder if it's I wonder if it's because Tony Todd had the same thing in his contract as he did in the original where he would get an extra thousand dollars for every time mm. he was stung by a bee. Uh, I wonder if he went into this movie with that in his contract, so they're like, we're gonna minimize the bees. We don't have we don't have thirty seven thousand dollars to give Tony Todd. I think that's how much like bonus money he got from the original one because he got stung like thirty something times. But uh, so they maybe they just decided to way tone down the bees. Um, which is kind of a shame. The last thing that I want to talk about, and then I think we've hit pretty much everything um the music philip glass returns and uh the score in this movie is fantastic far and away the best thing about the movie to a i found jarring degree (laughs) there were times where i'm like oh my god the music right now is so good and it does not match the garbage that's on screen (laughs) that's the thing like i i almost feel like it it's a great composition or you know series of compositions and score that doesn't fit the movie very no well. it's way because, too good like, for the movie i feel like it fit the original so well because the original is very slow and methodical mm-hmm. in the way it, it presents itself and so a philip glass minimalist score works so well with that kind of classical compositions mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where this feels more like a typical slasher at times. And, like, yeah. having that paired with very, you know, deliberate, minimalist stuff, you know, yeah. it doesn't I mean, it, it reuses a lot of the 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 themes from the original, mm-hmm. like the Candyman theme, so on and so forth. But, yeah, it's, the score is way, is way too good for this movie kind of crazy that they got philip glass back to do yeah. it i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he just had like a bunch of extra music from the original <laughs> lying around yeah. was like yeah you want to pay me again just i'd send you some stuff that i already got <laughs> you know uh do you think f- philip glass also had a bee sting contract <laughs> i think i'm gonna start working that into all my work contracts now so like if i get stung remote by a bee, work doesn't matter but if i get stung by a bee 50 bucks yep 50 bucks for every time i get stung by a bee mm-hmm. i bet you, you get in some contracts be like you're not gonna get stung by any bees yeah <laughs> we'll see about that <laughs> uh you're ready to rate this yeah. yes, sir. uh ben well this was your pick so you get to do the honors sure yeah uh <laughs> you know i picked this one because it was one of the few on the list that didn't look absolutely terrible, <laughs> and I hadn't seen. We dodged some bullets. And, you know, ultimately, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. You know, I don't think it's terribly memorable, but, you know, it does some things right. I will give it that. I think it kind of blows its load in the first opening, you know, sequence. In the but, first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately, Tony Todd is good. There's good elements. Great score. I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. Cleveman. Three is fine. Wow. All the way up to three. Yeah. Just because, you know, really for Tony Todd and Philip Glass and the movie had a lot of kills. Uh, had a lot of the same kill I, over I, and over again. I still <laughs> liked them. 
maybe two and a half is a little more favorable or accurate, but fuck it. All right. Three. Um, it's going to be a two for me. Uh, I thought this movie was pretty bad. Had some interesting, some interesting things, but uh, again, I was not uh, super impressed by even Tony Todd's performance in this. Score, fantastic. Couple of really interesting little side characters. Handful of good practical effects, but overall, pretty by the numbers slasher, which is not what I look for for Candyman. I want a lot more creativity and sort of interesting ideas, and uh, just didn't have it. So yeah, two out of five. Uh, but that will give Candyman farewell. I almost said the new Flash, but uh, <laughs> Candyman farewell to the Flash. An average of two and a half out of five. You know they cut off his arm. They really could have called it Candyman farewell to arms. Hey, hey, they could have. Um, or you know, also there's the flood. They could have called it Candyman watership down or Candyman. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, watership down. Sense and sensibility. Candy, candy man, Das Boot. Yeah. Um, do we have a box office from Bones and All Ooh, last week? Yeah, we do. I almost forgot about that. Um. Okay. So opening weekend, Bones and All. Oh no! No way! No. One second. Sorry. This this has got to be wrong. It says. Opening weekend was two hundred thousand dollars. No way! No, it must have had a limited opening. So I'm gonna go no, with. No, it was like heavily advertised. I'm gonna go with uh, the international one, which is two point one million. Even still, that's still so low. Yeah, which is sad. I mean, honestly. I guess it is kind of like an art house movie, sort of. Like, Luca Guadagnino is sort of an art house director, but even so. Yeah. Domestically, $200,000? Opening weekend. What was it? I'm guessing it had a limited release of first. Yeah. I was getting so many ads for it. What were our predictions Um, for that? So, for our predictions, let's see. I predicted 18. uh, Cleve, you predicted 40. And TC predicted 35. Well, you win by just by being the lowest. Jesus yeah, Christ, sad. that's insane. If those numbers are right, that is that is tragic. Go see Bones and All. Go see Bones yeah, and All. Seriously. Yeah, Christ. Like, go support that movie. Then. Give that yeah. give that some Lord. money. I I don't think it was a super high budget movie, but geez, like that two two point one million internationally. Same. That ain't enough to recoup, probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, next week is uh, actually our final film review of the year Mm -hmm. because end of year stuff comes after that but uh, our final film of the year is a patreon pick uh and this final patreon pick of 2022 comes courtesy of honorary pod boy sam simon uh and it is another sequel but it's not the second one it's the sequel it's another sequel to another movie we watched earlier this year we're doing nightmare on elm street 3 the dream warriors which is a fun one. Yeah, I'm excited about I'm this I'm looking one. forward to it's this one, It's been a yeah. long time since I've seen it. I remember enjoying it. You were talking about an amazing subtitle. The Dream Warriors is very Yeah. Good. When we talked about the second one earlier this year, I had only seen that in the original and um, uh, final or uh, New Nightmare. But since then, I've seen all of them. So now I'm coming into this one with the full breadth of knowledge 
wow. of Nightmare on Elm Street. Have you read the um, fanfics? Yeah, I've read all the fanfics. Wow. I've written my fair share, too. <laughs> Ones where Freddy Krueger impregnates Sonic. <laughs> Check that one out. Um, In well, dreams, yeah. anything is possible. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, next week is we'll be, uh, we'll be going into 2023 with Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Kind of appropriate, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sponsor time. Sponsor time. The shelf speaks. Do we dare listen? The shelf beaks. Oh. Well, it turns out we don't have a choice. How does this happen? <laughs> so, as you know, the sponsor shelf gives us these at random. Right. These, uh, it, it selects them for us, and we, we have don't no we choice. don't know what these sponsors are ahead of time. But to read the sponsor, and I cannot believe what the sponsor shelf. In all of its, you know, chaotic glory has given me... Who's the sponsor this week, Cleve? I'm going to show you who the sponsor is. Oh, I already know. (laughs) As soon as I saw your face, I already knew. (laughs) The sponsor this week is a single piece of paper with the word Tulpa written on it. God damn it. It's perfect for the Candyman episode. It's perfect. Returning sponsor. I think this is maybe our only returning sponsor that we've ever had on the show. Tulpa is sponsoring the show. How did this happen? Do these all say Tulpa on them? What is going on? I don't know. I I pulled this randomly from the thing. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm I'm fucking serious. I don't know how that happens. Anyway. Yeah. It's, uh... It's Tulpa. It's Tulpa. Yep. From another movie that did a terrible job of representing Tulpas. Wrong. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Incorrect. (laughs) But that's okay. Candyman. Thank you for sponsoring the show yet again, Tulpa. Tulpa piece of paper with the word talpa and nothing else written on it all right well that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode uh please leave us a five-star rating on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash pod pod shout out to honorary pod boys sam simon and zach confer y'all are the best we love and appreciate you uh especially going into this new year coming up pretty soon we are still on twitter at Pod People Pod and at Letterbox.com. For now. For now. I don't I'm at I'm at the point where I don't think Twitter's going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> but we're we we are still on Twitter at Pod People Pod and at Letterbox.com slash Pod People Pod, which is where you can find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. You can Still find me tweeting into the void on Twitter at some spooky snake and uh, twitch.tv slash some spooky snake for monthly spooky Saturday streams. I'm playing Outlast 2. Well, yeah, you can continue reading my tweets at Mr. Sheets until the whole thing burns down. So, And then you're still on Hive. Yes. With at the bees. Sheets. <laughs> at, at Sheets, like the convenience store. <laughs> But not because he got there first. Yeah, which is good. I do love that. Clever. Um, Yeah, and you can find uh, (laughs) any of or any amount of my work on uh, DreadXP.com amongst all of the super cool games that uh, that super cool publisher is producing. Uh, I am working on many of them, um, uh, or have worked on many of them, and uh, trying trying to narrow it down now. I've got a few few tasks out of the way on some of the other titles, but mostly on Creep Show these days. So. 
you can find my work on ArtStation also, I guess, but I haven't posted there in like two years at this point. But there's, some, there's some cool paintings there, you know. Uh, oh, uh, go play Mirror Forge. We just released that one. Oh. Uh, and I did, I did some work on that. I did some, a uh, little bit of UI, a little bit of creature design. A little, uh, oh, the maps you find in that world. I did those in Mirror Forge. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go oh, yeah. Go, support, go play it. It's on Steam. I'm, I'm it's, guessing it's it's kind of like Silent Hill, and <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of like Stranger Things, and it's got it's got it's got some spookies in it for sure. And it's on Steam. It's on Steam. Cool. Check it out. All right. Thanks for listening. Join us again next week. Until then, we're slipping back into the swamp. The swamp. Into the swamp.